Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. Today we're going to have a great show. We're going to talk about the presidential pardon turkeys, corn and cob. And then Dr. Don Coltis is going to join us so that we can learn more about the turkey industry and all the things that go into putting that bird on your kitchen table. Hey everybody, welcome to Doc Talk. We're going to have a fun episode today. We're going to talk about corn and cob, the presidential pardon turkeys. And corn and cob, they were the last turkeys to be uh, pardoned. I hear there's a lot of turkeys being pardoned in Washington, D.C. these days, but these two are actually birds. And as we start to think about the traditions we have in agriculture, and you think about forestry and taking the Christmas tree to D.C., and you think about partnering the turkeys around Thanksgiving and the holidays and at the end of the season as we head from all the work from putting things into the field and feeding our animals until we get to that point of harvest this really is a celebration on a national and international level. So corn and cob were two birds that were raised in Walcott, Iowa by Ron and Susie Cardell. They're sixth generation turkey producers here in the state of Iowa and Ron serves as the president of the National Turkey Federation. So, whoever is the president of the National Turkey Federation, they get to raise the presidential flock for that year. So Ron and Susie were raising the presidential flock at their turkey farm over in eastern Iowa. From that point in time, they start to go through a sift and they bring the turkeys in and they bring them out of that flock into a smaller room and they got to about 30 uh, head of turkeys, uh, toms where they looked at and they discussed uh, behavior and they discussed some of the things that, that uh, you know, were they going to be able to stand on the table when they got to D.C. and things of that nature and they, they settled on corn and cob and they wound up getting there to the uh, uh, White House uh, for the celebration. So once the turkeys are selected, they were then, we had a send-off in, in eastern Iowa and from that send-off the two got a, a customized ride in the back of an excursion from eastern Iowa to Washington, D.C where they were then put up in their own hotel room across the street from the White House. So Corn and Cobb got their own hotel room for the night. They had a red carpet to walk into the hotel. Once they then had a good night's sleep, the next day was the pardoning, where they were then taken across the street to the White House into the Rose Garden. Once they were at the Rose Garden, one of the turkeys, Corn, was then pardoned by President Trump. After that, they jumped in the excursion and they were transported right back here to Ames, Iowa, where now they are housed for their natural life here at Iowa State University. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot about the turkey industry, and we're going to tell you a little bit more about turkeys and how they're raised here on Doc Talk. Profusion Drench for Beef Cattle, a no prescription, no needle supplement. To learn more, go to zenpro.com. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here at Iowa State University, and I am joined by Dr. Don Coltis. And Dr. Coltis is an expert in all things poultry, and she is really an expert for us in, in both chicken, uh, broiler and egg laying, and in turkeys. And so she's been involved. We have a big building project here at Iowa State. We're gonna put in a new brooder and a new uh, finish unit, grow out unit. I'm starting to get my tur turkey terminology better. You'll get there. But Dr. Coltis is the one that's really driving the bus on a lot of this. And so I asked her to come out and spend some time with us. And, and Dawn, um, 
you know, when, when we talk about turkey production, what are some of the interesting things that come to your mind? Just maybe not so much specific, but, but about what's different about Iowa turkey production than maybe some of the other states? Well, something that I find really interesting and fascinating about the Iowa turkey industry is that here in Iowa, we actually grow a lot of toms. So toms would be like corn and cob, they are both male. So unlike many of our other sectors of the livestock industry where males and females are generally together, um, except when you don't want the beef to breed or right, the dairy right, cattle. Right. Um, I will go back and say that those aren't always together, but most of our um, broilers are male and female together. Well, with the turkey industry, males are separated from females. And so here in this state, we grow males. Well, as you can tell, a male turkey is a very large bird and we don't put those in the oven, right? I mean, you're not looking for a 25, 30 pound turkey when you're thinking of Thanksgiving. So our birds are actually going towards that post-processing. When you go to Subway or Jimmy John's, you're likely getting an Iowa bird. When you uh, get Jimmy Jean sausages that are turkey sausages, those are from turkeys that are toms, and most of those may be coming also from Iowa. So not all of them, because we are actually the seventh producer of turkeys, fifth in processing. So we actually will produce uh, not as many as we process, but we will process some from Minnesota, South Dakota, Missouri, um, areas that actually do have a lot of processing. So we'll have a lot of birds that we process and those will go towards secondary products. Absolutely, and I, I thought it was really interesting that folks, you know, if, you, if you're raising toms, they're gonna go towards processing and sliced meats and deli meats and, and, and sausage and different processes like that. And then if you're looking for, for the one that's gonna go on the table, you're talking about the hens. Correct. And those are going to be raised and, and they're smaller and they fit in your oven. And, and so something that I learned um, about turkeys. Um, you know, when we start to think about turkey production, you know, is it is it as corporate? Is it, is there Are there co-ops? How's it kind of structured compared to like the beef industry? So you will have some of the contract growing, which means that you have a company such as Tyson or Cargill or Genio who will contract out and say, we will buy your turkeys. And a lot of times with those, they'll have a little bit more regulation in terms of how those turkeys are grown. Um, and then you'll have some others that are more independent where it's an independent farmer who has been doing this potentially for generations and generations like we have here in Iowa and they will sell to a more local co-op such as West Liberty Foods. Yep, we've had just great relationships with, with Tyson and West Liberty Foods, both here in the state of Iowa, and uh, they have done a lot for Iowa State University, and uh, you know, the more we can be engaged with the industry, the better our research is, the better our teaching is, and, and that's really our job, is to, to serve those industries. Um, we're gonna take a break here in just a minute, but as we, as we you know, with the turkey industry, is it a vibrant industry? Is it growing? Is it, is it something that, that we see positive traction moving forward? Um, with the turkey industry, it's, it's kind of at a plateau right now. However, I see that it is an industry that could have a lot of potential. Um, and that's the exciting part. There's a lot of people that are, are understanding that they consume turkey in a lot of different ways other than that Thanksgiving turkey or that turkey sandwich. Um, so we're finding a lot of other uses um, and maybe it's not other uses like 
we've not known about them, we're just rediscovering them again. And Excellent. so I, I really like that. Um, as someone who is more of an amateur chef and cook at home, I really like to rediscover a lot of aspects and, and recipes. And I think this is something that we will learn about turkeys as we go along, or awesome. at least my personal journey has. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a break. My favorite right now that I've discovered is the turkey tenderloin. So look for some of those in the grocery store. We're here at Doc Talk. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. We're here talking turkey. At Iowa State University, I have Dr. Dawn Coltis, who is an assistant professor here at Iowa State University. She is an expert in all things turkey, broilers as well. But uh, we're really lucky to have her on our faculty and teaching our students and leading our programs on the, the poultry side. But Dawn, let's, you know, like we talked during the break, people don't understand or probably aren't really involved in turkey production like we are with beef and different things to that dairy. So let's just start from the egg and go to the table. Absolutely. So um, unlike a lot of the, the species you mentioned, there is a gestation period where a sow or a cow is actually allowing that individual to grow. With a turkey, that's quite a bit different. We actually have fertilization of the egg that's going to occur inside the hen, but once she lays that eggs, um, in the commercial side, it's all up to us after that. So we are the ones that are the caregivers. We are the ones that are collecting those eggs. We're putting them into um, an incubator. And so with a turkey, those eggs will incubate for 28 days. So when we talk about broilers, it's 21 days. So we add an additional seven days on. And so they will go into an incubator and then a hatching cabinet where once they are hatched, then we will process those chicks. So um, usually what that's going to mean is that we're going to look at vaccinations, um, any de-beaking or de-spurring that will go along sexing uh, a turkey. I don't know if you're familiar with it. You don't necessarily uh, sex poultry like you would a cow or a pig, right? Where you would look at the underside to look for external genitalia. Turkeys don't have that. Right. Uh, hens don't have that either. So we actually have to uh, vent sex. So the vent is the opening or that exterior opening. And uh, we have specialized groups of people that will actually come in and vent uh, sex. <laughs> they get paid a lot of money and they don't tell you how they do it. It's, it's <laughs> fine quite a system. Some things I don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have to say, they, they get paid pretty good for, for that knowledge. And <laughs> That's awesome. it's amazing to see how many chicks uh, they can go through. So after hatch, um, chicks will get or pults will get sent. And so I'll use chicks and pults interchangeably a little bit, but that just means an immature um, individual. So that smaller individual, one that needs a little bit more care. So these pults will then arrive on farm where they are placed in brooding houses. And these brooding houses are generally much smaller than our grower finisher houses. And the reason for that, well, our, our pults don't hold body temperature as well. So they need a little bit of help, sort of like that piglet, right? Yep. We put warming lamps on a piglet to yep. help it maintain body. Kind of like the nursery and grower before we take them to the finisher. Right. Um, pigs don't have brown adipose tissue, which I find absolutely fascinating and a whole nother topic. <laughs> but uh, with pults, we have to provide that heat. And so we're trying to keep them at 95 degrees Fahrenheit. So they, they do well between 90 and 95. So we're trying to keep them really nice and warm. And keeping that space smaller helps with that. So we'll start them out in a smaller area until they get fairly well established at about five to six weeks of age. And at that point, they're about the size of your 
chicken. So they're about uh, five, five to six pounds. At five to six weeks of age, they're about the size of a finished broiler. Yes. <laughs> it's just amazing. So they start out at about 130 grams uh, at hatch and they'll make it to that size. So then after, the, after they spend the five or six weeks in the brooder, they're going to the grow out? Right. And so in this, in this area, they'll get a lot more space to kind of interact and move around. Um, and they'll usually have, we'll drop that temperature down. So we're starting at 75 or so down to about 56. So they have a, a lot more comfortable range. How many birds are there in a barn uh, usually? Um, around 20,000 or so. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So, so then how long will they be in that uh, grow out facility? So they will be in that facility uh, probably another 10 to 12 weeks. Awesome. And the toms finish at 42, 44 pounds? Yes, they do. They finish between 40 and 45 pounds. That's a big bird. And, and when you start to think about this happening in 19 weeks, um, it's just absolutely amazing. Let's, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're gonna wrap up here talking turkey with Dr. Don Coltis here at Iowa State University. Thanks for joining us. ValleyVet.com is your one-stop shop for your every animal need. From prescription meds, vaccines, equipment, and more for the ranch to the show ring, shop ValleyVet.com for fast shipping and great prices. Valley Vet Supply. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Don Coltis. We're at Iowa State University with the world's two most famous turkeys, corn and cob where corn was pardoned by President Trump here the day before Thanksgiving and now resides at Iowa State University um, for his natural, for both of their natural lives. And so if you wanna come visit, we have a beautiful exhibit here in Ames, Iowa, out on State Avenue, and this will be open to the public. Go to our website for the Department of Animal Science and you'll be able to see the schedule of when this facility will be open. You won't only learn about turkeys, these two turkeys, and be able to see them, take your picture with them, but you'll be able to learn about the turkey industry on so many things that we have around the room here uh, for you and your family. So, talk to us about some of the questions you get when people come visit. Well, first of all, they usually go, <laughs> which one's corn and which one's cob? Yes, I know, gentlemen, it's hard, right? You don't like to be not distinguishable, <laughs> but they're, they're actually fairly distinguishable from each other. So our taller turkey is actually corn and our smaller, turkey is Tom. And now that I'm standing right beside them, it's a little bit harder, but no, this corn, is corn and cob. Um, <laughs> and one of the other things is when the, the public came in, one of the questions that we received quite a bit was, uh, wow, their heads look considerably different than what I anticipated, right? It wasn't what they see when they have that cartoon drawing. And so what is going on? So the entire head region is what we would call a carnuckle. It's because of the kind of bumpy portions that are on the head. But that the flap of skin that actually hangs over the beak is called a snood. And so turkeys are unique in that they are probably one of the species that has the longest snood, if you will. And so the females will actually have it. It's really short. Um, but the rationale for why they have it is more or less that it is a secondary sex characteristic. And so it, it apparently is a very attractive to a female turkey. I was amazed when I first got, when they first got here because when they go to get a drink, that thing will shrink down to that long and then it'll roll mm -hmm. out like a trunk on an elephant. Um, yeah. So it's a snood. 
Snood. All right. It's kind of a fun word to say. Um, the other was kind of, why is there a darker spot in the middle of their chest? Well, that's a beard. And this is something also, again, a secondary sex characteristic of males. So males will have these and, you know, it's actually kind of a prized possession I hear in the turkey hunting world, right? So yep. if you go and you hunt turkeys and you um, get a turkey, sometimes you'll hang that beard as part of the trophy. And so they will have uh, and, and one of the things I learned about turkeys is why do they have white feathers and we mm -hmm. see the natural turkeys having dark. We actually bred them to be this way because people didn't want the dark pigments on the skin of the turkey. So if they have dark feathers, when you pluck the feathers, you get a dark pigment and it made it less appealing. So we bred the turkeys to be white so that they would have a better appeal when you cook your bird for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Same with a lot of our other poultry species, yep. why we like white eggs, why we like white birds. Um, those types of things. The other question that we often get or that we uh, have come to us is, wow, these are definitely a lot bigger than that turkey that I see rock walking across my backyard. Why is that? Do you inject them with hormones and steroids? And the answer is uh, absolutely not. It is 100% illegal to give them steroids or hormones in order to get them to this size. Any, any poultry species. Um, and so I guess I want to give you a, a little public service announcement. If you're buying meat and you're buying it because it says it's hormone free and steroid free, you're paying for somebody to write that text. That's right. really it. So they all, well, he's puffing up. He is. He, uh, um, you know, when, when you think about the, the birds and the size, the genetics of turkeys, the, the phenomenon over the years and the decades, mm -hmm. uh, even here at Iowa State and, and beyond has just been phenomenal. It is. It's from a genetic aspect, when you can have two generations per year, you can make a lot of progress. So yeah. um, unlike some of our other species, like dairy cattle, it's closer to eight years. Beef, I'm sure, is fairly close to that. Yeah. Um, so you can make a lot of progress when you can get a couple of generations in every year. That's awesome. So let's wrap up. What are some of the things that, that uh, you enjoy about teaching about turkeys and, and, and uh you know, we have a few students, potential students out there that need to come and learn in your new facility and, and a world-class facility at that. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's just, it's fascinating. There's always some little nuance to every species and every animal. I've worked in with quite a few species and, you know, there's a lot of personalities and turkeys definitely have a personality that you won't get anywhere else. Um, as you can see, they like to come up and they, these are ones that like to come up and are interested in what's going on. Um, so it's just, it's phenomenal it's awesome. to work with them. Well, we're so glad you're here at Iowa State. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for watching today. Remember, always work with your local veterinarian. And if you want to know more about what we do on Doc Talk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Don Coltis. We're at Iowa State University with Corn and Cobb, the presidential pardon turkeys. And we'll see you down the road. Doc Talk was brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals.